I know a lot of you have had this experience because for those of us who in 2020 were all sent home and we were stuck in a lockdown during the pandemic, we had a lot of time on our hands and I saw an ad for Masterclass and I thought, I want to better myself. I want access to all of these brilliant people who teach you things. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with more than 200 plus of the world's best and smartest. For just under 10 bucks a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And I don't care, you can wake up one morning and say, I want to learn about business. And then another where you say, I want to learn how to survive in the wild if I have no water and no fire to make me warm. You can access Masterclass on your phone, on your computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. And the classes totally make a difference. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Liz. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Liz. Masterclass.com slash Liz. Okay, everybody, unless you've been under a rock, okay, you've likely heard about the GameStop millionaires who've banded together in a Reddit chat room, right? You know about this, right? Started buying the video game retailer GameStop at a very cheap price. And then in defiance of the big hedge funds betting against it, pushed the stock to epic heights and trampled the Wall Street suits in the process. It's like a total David and Goliath story. Boy, is this reminiscent of the dot-com boom of 1999, at least the first half of it, right? A bunch of companies started slapping dot-com at the end of their company name. Their stock spiked, but nearly all of them crashed and don't even exist anymore today. But what about the few that hung on? What did they do right? Um, you know, there's, there's Amazon.com. There was 1-800-Flowers.com. Oh, and by the way, what a story that is. The founders, okay, one of them started working at his brother's local flower shop, mopping floors and adjusting bouquets. And now more than 40 years later, he's the CEO of that very same flower shop, except it's not a shop anymore. He and his brother grew it into one of the largest flower companies in the world. Chris McCann, CEO of 1-800-Flowers.com, is with us to tell us how it happened. Welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz, Chris. Thank you, Liz. I'm thrilled to be here. And you're right. It's been a long, long, strange journey. And there's uh, been lots of stories as we move down the road. So, Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember because I started in business news at uh, yeah my previous network, CNBC, in 1998. And that's when I met your brother, Jim McCann. Mm -hmm. And then you guys, what year did you slap the dot com on there? Uh, I forget whether that was 98, uh, probably 98. I mean, mm -hmm. by 97, it was the world that decided that the World Wide Web was the winning technology. And we put all our focus behind growing in the e-commerce channel. And then we went public as 1-800-Flowers.com in August of 99. So probably right in the middle of that time period, probably 98. You know, let's let's really get deeper down into to how the company began. Uh, it was just a flower shop, right? Your brother Jim bought it in 1976. Go back to that time. 
Yeah, that's right. And you know, the way he likes to tell the story, he kind of stumbled into that flower shop because he was working one of his second or third, you know, part-time jobs. Uh, he had a full-time job as a social worker, but to help make some money, he was tending bar at the original TGI Fridays on 63rd <laughs> Street and 1st Avenue. Manhattan. And one of his customers, uh, as he calls them, scotch and soda, uh, <laughs> happened to own the flower shop right across the street. So one day he saw a for sale sign on it and asked Nick, you know, would you mind if I came in and worked a couple of weekends to see if maybe this is the right business for me? And lo and behold, it was. And that was in 76. And as you pointed out in your intro, I was uh, 15 years old at the time and dragged into the business, whether I wanted to or not. <laughs> um, and, you know, did everything that you would do from mopping the floors, cleaning the buckets, et cetera. Tiny little flower shop. What was what was the Upper East Side of Manhattan like in 1976? Oh, it was a phenomenal place, and we we just loved it so much. And as a as a young kid, especially, and I was a, I'm a big basketball fan, and therefore a New York Knicks fan. Mm. And, and I'd be standing by the front door and just watch this big silver uh, Rolls Royce pull up. Walt, Clyde, Frazier, get out, <gasps> just walk across the street, do some shopping, come into our shop, get some flowers. Uh, and then we had so many great customers in the neighborhood. The biggest thing we learned was to be successful, you had to be part of the community. And so we were, and the people would stop in and just have a cup of coffee with us and just chat. They weren't in to make us to buy anything. They were just part of the neighborhood. And you know, there was uh, so many great people in that neighborhood, record plant. And, and I used to get to make a lot of deliveries to their homes and see these fantastic apartments and just dream that, you know, maybe someday. Oh, I love, love, love. This is exactly the kind of story that we love to hear because it it is eventually bringing us to someday. But before you got to that point, tell me about your folks. Tell me about your childhood. Mm-hmm. So... Grew up in Queens, an area called South Ozone Park uh, and Rockaway Beach, a little bit between the two. Sure. And it was an Irish Catholic family, a very, you know, uh, lower middle class family, I'd say. And that's the kind of neighborhood we grew up in. What'd your dad do? Uh, my dad had a painting business, a painting and contracting business that was used to be his grandfather's. Funny story when I and my brother Jim took it over after my father passed away in 89. Jim and I both grew up in that business, you know, at different times. Jim's 10 years older than I am, and he's the the oldest of five. I'm the youngest. There's a 10-year age difference. So we didn't really know each other growing up that well. But when we took over the family business and there was a little news, news, local newspaper wrote a story on us being the third generation of McCann painting. And we get a letter from my uncle who had retired to Florida, said, how could you be third when your father and I were fourth generation? (laughs) These Irish Catholics didn't tell (laughs) stories like that. So we had no idea how far back this went. Exactly. It's it's that cultural thing of, hold on a minute. How could you be third? We were the fourth. (laughs) Uh, But but you're running the shop. Your brother is. You're mopping. You're delivering. You're adjusting bouquets. And when do you start to think we could be bigger than just one shop? How did that moment spark? So it was interesting. First off, my my brother still, he kept his full-time job as a social worker. So even while he had the first store, he was only doing it nights and weekends 
all in keeping his full-time job just in case it didn't work. Um, and then I went off to college, still came back to help out on weekends uh, or, on, or on holidays especially. But I remember after I got out of college that I graduated in May of 83, wasn't sure what I wanted to do because I was a political science major that decided not to go to law school. So wasn't sure what to do next. Mm -hmm. And worked for Jim, worked for, worked for my father's painting business, then worked for Jim for the Christmas holiday. And in January of 84, Jim invited me to have a lunch with him. And we sat down at this Irish pub on Woodhaven Boulevard in Queens. And Jim <laughs> said, you know, Chris, he said, why don't, you, why don't we try working together? I said, Jim, I, I would love to, but I just got out of college. This isn't exactly what I had planned to do. He said, no, I know. But he says, I think we have a chance to build something big here. He says, there's no Holiday Inn in the floral industry. There's no McDonald's in the floral industry. There's no real dominant player. He says, I think we have an opportunity here. And his, my definition of big would have been a chain of 50 stores around the New York metropolitan area. But it was that moment when I realized my brother, Jim, the classic entrepreneur and visionary, he had a little bit different definition of big than I did in mind. But we said, let's try it for six months and see how it works because we were afraid of the pitfalls of a family business that often happened, happened in my father's painting business. And, um, so we said, okay, let's do it for six months. And I think I'm on about my 80th six-month contract right now. <laughs> okay, but, but talk about that first step of, okay, we have one store. Now let's try and open the next. And let's get the one eight. How'd you get the one eight hundred flowers? That That's hard to get, isn't it? That telephone number? It, it sure was. And I'll give you a little bit of the story on that. But I think first is... By the time I joined full-time in 84, Jim had already grown the business, again, only part-time, yeah. and already grown the business to be 12 local flower shops in the New okay. York area. <clears throat> and as he likes to tell the story, after hiring me, he put me in charge of the 12 stores, and over a short period of time, he knew, turned around and we only had three. What he usually leaves out is we were doing more revenue and more profits out of the three than we were out of the twelve. Huh. And that was because consumer behavior was starting to be changed by a new technology. Believe it or not, that new technology was called 800 telephone service. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. We're, we're really forward thinking here. Yeah. So, so people were calling and I didn't need all of those stores. So we consolidated, built a little call center. Now, this was in 1984. At the same time, a group of people in Dallas, Texas, uh, pulled together a bunch of venture capital money. Uh, all total about $30 million and launched a business called 800 Flowers hmm. and contacted us. And we were filling orders for them in the New York area because we had a good reputation as running good flower shops and running a good business. But all of a sudden, about 1986, those orders started to dry up. And all of a sudden, we get a phone call from the team in Dallas, Texas, and they speak to my brother, Jim, and say, listen, would you be involved, interested in getting involved and helping us manage this business? Because we're not doing it well. The, um, we, we, we talked about it and we said, you know, we're not looking for a job. But that's when Jim said, well, let me get involved in this a little bit. And he said, and he moved to Dallas, Texas, or commuted for a year and a half, moved to Dallas, Texas. That's when he gave up his job as a social worker at St. John's Home for Boys. Mm -hmm. So I ran the store, the business in New York. And Jim ran the business in Dallas where they originally were started up. But I remember him calling me up one day and said, Chris, there's just nothing here. He says, 
<laughs> and we, by That's this point, so New York. Oh, by this point, we had invested some money into the business. And he said, we're going to lose our shirts unless mm. we really just find a way to get control of the company. This was a company that was going towards and probably should have gone into bankruptcy. But we basically took over the telephone number and about $7 million of debt and a tractor trailer load full of paper files that we had to keep for the tax purposes and moved it into the basement of one of our flower shops that we had in Bayside, Queens, and just started the business over. So it it was some harrowing times, you know, especially in those early startup times, you have the classic challenges where, will I be able to make payroll this Friday? Will I make it next Friday? The $7 million plus of debt that we took on. Mm. Like I said, we didn't go bankrupt. We didn't know how to go bankrupt. (laughs) Maybe that was a good thing. You know, how could you go bankrupt if you have no idea how to do that? Chris, were there sleepless nights? Oh, plenty. More so for my brother than for me. It was mostly his money. (laughs) (laughs) But but even when we talk about going bankrupt, as Jim said, you know, we, we wouldn't do that because my grandmother would have whooped us had we done that. She, she, she taught us and she used to run the painting business and taught us that if you owe anybody some money, you find ways to work it off. Mm. So for a couple of years, and we, we worked with those vendors that, again, it wasn't us that caused the losses, but we took control of the assets and we had an obligation to work with them. And that caused many sleepless nights as we knew that we were not only impacting our own families, but other families as well. We're not done yet. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Tell me about the dot-com moment when you decided, wait a minute, we got to change the stationery. The world is changing. The information superhighway. And, you know, you talk about 1998. Um, I was in Boston and... My then boyfriend, who's now my husband, said, there's this new thing. I think he had one of those accounts, CompuServe, whatever the heck it was. He said, I'm going to try and order flowers for my mom online. And I said, why would you do that? (laughs) You can't see it. You can't touch it. It'll never get there. What the hell? Uh, And he did. Uh, But at the time, I remember thinking, ooh, who would do that? 
And yet you guys were already thinking, let's change the name and put a .com at the end of it. Well, I'm willing to bet that he placed that order with us. He did. The, he uh, did. You know, it actually goes back many years before that, Liz. So it was in 1990, 1991 timeframe. So what happened was when we embraced Telefana Commerce and changed the company name to 800 Flowers, we disrupted the floral industry and completely changed it forever. So we knew that if we didn't stay on the forefront of change and technological change, someone could do that to us and disrupt us. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, we saw this thing called online services, and you mentioned CompuServe. We launched a store on CompuServe in 1991. Then we continued to play with these new technologies, and in 94, there was a business getting going called America Online, mm -hmm. AOL. We were the first merchant to sell any product of any kind on AOL. Wow. And, but... As these technologies kept emerging, by 97, the World Wide Web was the winning technology. And, and that's when the e-commerce engine really kicked in. So that's when we said, okay, all of these other things that we're doing, these other little small catalogs, these brands, we have to stop doing those and focus on growing as an e-commerce business. And then that's what brought us into adding .com onto the name, and then also brought us to going public in August of 99. For that day. What was that moment like? I mean, you probably thought, wait, is this really happening? Isn't this what the big boys on Wall Street do? But you did it. It was, uh, it was gratifying for sure. And it was still something, a world that we still didn't know enough about. And certainly we've learned over time uh, the ups and downs of being a public company. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's been, it, it was great. It was a, a, a crowning achievement. And I remember Jim and I on our way out, uh, way out of the city that that evening to head back to Long Island, where we both live, um, stopped at this outdoor place and just said, let's just have a glass of wine and just think about what we've just achieved. And as we're st sitting there having that glass of wine, thinking about what we've achieved, what we've built, and knowing it was only the beginning, I happened to see an old friend of mine come by and he was making deliveries on the street, working for FedEx. And he sat down and explained to us that he's got the best job in the world. And you know what? He did. And the same thing with us. We had the best job in the world. My brother and I worked together. Other family members have been in the business from time to time. And to be able to build something like, like that was very, very special. I think about this through the prism of what you just referenced. And you said, we just didn't even know much about it. And yet we still went ahead and did it. How important a message is that to anybody who says, what business do I have trying to grow like this when I don't even know the rules of that road? Liz, I think that is just one of the most important things we learned in growing our business. And not just in whether or not we became a public company, but, but throughout the early days, even today, we embraced, back then, we, there were two management theories that we said we embraced the Nike theory and the Reebok theory. <laughs> and the Reebok management theory was all about cross-training. And we all had to learn how to do different jobs because we were the only ones there. And most of the time, we didn't know how to do that job. And that's when we invoked the Nike theory. Just do it. There's nobody else to turn and give it to. So, for example, I remember when we were moving 1-800-Flowers uh, into the basement of our flower shop in Queens, and I'm watching the telephone man run all the wires and saying, now, how does it exactly work? How does it get from here to there? 
and you put these little bridge clips in. Now, I didn't learn, need to learn that as for my career, but it sure came in handy years later when we had telephonic problems and I was able to fix it with a paper clip. Yeah. And, and by the way, to that end, this is a commodity business. We're talking about flowers like fruits and vegetables. They are ordered and they're alive. They sometimes arrive or they're shipped and they're squished or dead or dying. Who knows what? Tell me about some of those stories and how you work through that supply chain. Yeah. Well, one of the great things, again, is coming at this and growing into the business, starting with that one flower shop and working with the local wholesalers that used to be a vibrant wholesale community in Manhattan on 28th Street really is a shadow of what it used to be. But just learning the business from them, getting to know the growers down in South America, the growers in California, and understanding the needs of the, of the shipping capabilities and the, what's called the cold chain to maintain the cold chain throughout the distribution process. But then also we had the opportunity to know and we have gotten to know many of the best florists around the country and these wonderful creative people who really have a heart of gold and go above and beyond to make deliveries because they know they're not just delivering a product. They're delivering a smile for a birthday, an anniversary, a get well, whatever it might be. So understanding the need and the importance of a local business. And that's one of the things too, when we, we grew our flower shops at one point to like 45 flower shops. And then we realized they're much better off than being company owned. You're much better off having these be franchise owner operated businesses because that's where you get the local heart into the business. So we knew the design side, we knew the distribution side, and over time knew, learned everything we needed to know on how to ship floral product as well. You've endured, uh, listen, the, stock market implosion in 1987, uh, the financial crisis, 2008, not to mention the dot-com disaster. How did you make it through? Because so many others did not. It's, you know, managing through challenges like that really stresses your capabilities. And more importantly, I think it stresses the team that you have in place. And we look back at the different challenges that we've gone through, whether it be the early crash, whether it be the terrorist attacks of 9-11 and the stress that put on our company, but also the pride that it put into our company on how we responded as a local New York-based company. Uh, The financial crisis and then certainly what we're going through now in this pandemic has just been extremely strenuous. But the financial crisis was probably one of the toughest challenges we had, and it was the first time that the flowers business had gone backwards. Uh, so during that time, our food businesses continued to grow, uh, but the flowers business really took a big hit that time. And it caused us, caused me to reevaluate, were we paying attention to the right things? And there's an old adage that I learned very early on in this business in this career that retail is detail and something I learned very much from my brother and detail is shaped by the culture of the company. So it forced us to really go back to our roots or as Jim and I called it, embracing our florissness and going back and repeating what we did in that first store, engage with our customers the same way, even though we're using new channels like e-commerce and mobile commerce engage with them just as we would in that local community on the Upper East Side we talked about. Oh, I just, I just feel that 
I am from Los Angeles, but I remember visiting New York City, gosh, it would be 1979 as a kid. And it was a lot more raw, I guess, but you kind of miss that. You've also morphed. You're minding the business. You've grown from flowers to popcorn factory, Sherry's Berries, or as or as Howard Stern says, Sherry's Berries, uh, 1-800-BASKETS, Simply Chocolates, on and on and on. What's next? What is the next big thing? You guys have a real knack for looking way down the road or the horizon and spotting something. So I think the next thing for us as a company, for 1-800-Flowers as a company, is really right now our last acquisition that we did, which was just this past August of Personalization Mall. Uh Personalized products is a category we've seen growing for a while, and it's a great category, fast-growing category that we wanted to be in, and we found a great acquisition. Bed Bath & Beyond was looking to sell the business. We acquired it from them added it to this platform that we've built. Because Liz, as we look to the future, what we are is, yes, we're a collection of brands. Yes, we're this company that started out as this one flower shop on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. But what we've built is this platform, this e-commerce platform that's built for growth. So even in the six months since we've acquired Personalization Mall, by leveraging our marketing capabilities, we've been able to increase that growth rate to 50% this past Whoa. holiday. Whoa. And you, you two kids from Queens sure know what you're doing. Wow. <laughs> so what we're looking for next really is to continue to focus on our vision. And our vision is to inspire people to express themselves, uh-huh. to connect with the important people in their lives, and to celebrate all of life's great moments. And I really believe that one lasting benefit, if I could say that, coming out of this pandemic is that people have learned the importance of that the importance of relationships, connectedness, and expressing ourselves to each other. So that's what we're trying to do and trying to help make that easier for everybody. We are a couple of weeks away from Valentine's Day. What is the hot product people are ordering right now? Well, of course, it's always roses. Roses are a hot product. How many roses are you going to sell? We'll we'll sell 22 million stems of flowers, roughly. 14 (sighs) million of those will be roses. But, you know, we're seeing great growth in our gourmet food line from Harry and David. We're seeing great growth in the line, the new products from Personalization Mall. Uh, we're seeing great products in uh, Cheryl's Cookies and the Popcorn Factory, Sherry's Berries. So our food businesses are growing really nicely. But a Valentine's Day really does come down to the core. And one of the biggest categories, and you and I spoke about this previously, is plants. And all sorts of plants. Succulents is still very, very popular. Uh, And we're seeing the plant category, especially this pandemic. Many of us have become plant parents. (laughs) Oh, I'm I'm buying the the phalaenopsis. I love those. Well, they're sort of a form of orchid, right? And they last. Oh, beautiful. Chris, before we go, this just popped into my head. You talked about four generations, Irish immigrants, working hard, being honest, paying your debts, etc. If the ancestors who started the painting business, the McCann painting business, were alive to see you and your brother, Jim, and what you've done today, what do you think they would think? Well, I know I can't go that far back in my ancestry, but I think of a wall in my kitchen area of my house right now that has a photograph of my 
grandfather standing next to the McCann painting van, a photo of my father standing next to his McCann painting van, and then Jim and I standing next to a 1-800-Flowers delivery van. And I know that both my father and my grandfather and my mother and grandmother would be extremely proud of what we've built because we've done it the right way. And by doing that, we've taken our lumps along the way, but we didn't cut corners and we continue to do it the right way by focusing on what I learned from my father. Your customers are the most important piece of any business. Chris McCann of 1-800-Flowers.com. I, I'm getting a little verklempt, which is a, you know, Yiddish for little misty-eyed because I just love the the solid story of this American dream and what you and your brother have been able to do and how you're continuing to course ahead. Thank you so much for telling this story to Everyone Talks to Liz. Thank you, Liz, and happy Valentine's Day to everyone. Ah, thank you very much. And and may I just say, everyone who's listening, take the story and run with it. Understand how long it takes to build a real business. Listen, we're going to continue to cover the Reddit Room story, which is just amazing, of the Davids versus the Goliaths and the stock market. But we will also always tell these stories of the great American dream And he said lumps and bumps. I say mountains, stumbling blocks, big, who knows, manholes that you trip and fall into, but you crawl back out and you keep fighting. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'll see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on The Claim and Countdown. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.